Hi, and welcome to Recovered, a podcast from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Dallas, Texas, and known by many as Maggie's. My name is Stephanie, and I am a recovered alcoholic on staff at the Magdalene House. Each week, I have the pleasure of conducting a live interview with an alcoholic woman in recovery for the participants who are currently in our Next Step program. Whether you're in recovery yourself, contemplating giving it a try, or just supporting someone who is, we are so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone, to this series of recovered interviews with alcoholic women. Um, If you are not muted, I will mute you. And that is not because I don't think what you have to say is super important. I really do. It's just the background noise is very distracting. So today, and then if you need to ask a question, you can unmute yourself. Today we have Paige Oak, and um, I've gotten the the pleasure to get to um, to talk to her, not only like on a professional basis, but like on a personal basis as well. And um, we just see eye to eye on a lot of things recovery oriented. Um, and I know that she has a lot of just the conversations that her and I have had been very um, important and impactful and, and to me. And I'm just really excited that you all will get to hear what she has to say. Um, I think some of the topics that we're going to be discussed today are, are super important, especially right now, given everything that's happening. And so, Paige, if you could just introduce yourself to the group and give a little background to qualify yourself and what led you to Alcoholics Anonymous. Sure. Hi guys, I'm Paige and I'm an alcoholic. Um, My sober date is December 5th of 2019 um, and I'm super grateful for that. I, you just want me to give like a little background on what what got me here? Okay. So I am, um, I'm, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. um, And I grew up super normal. Um, And I say super normal just because when I first came to the rooms of AA, I was, I was very, very young. And um, I felt like I was too young to be an alcoholic and I needed to look for a reason why I was drinking the way I was. And I couldn't really find anything, you know, I couldn't really, I couldn't place my finger on any reason um, why alcohol had become so problematic for me at such a young age. I didn't have any like significant um, things happen when I was younger. I didn't have anybody else in my family that drank the way that I did. So it wasn't like a learned behavior. I just remember for me, when I started drinking, I was about, I think 13 or 14 years old and it was just immediately a problem. I never, I never really remember a time that I was controlling and and enjoying my drinking at the same time. It always felt like, I mean, every now and again, I would get away with it, but most of the time I was just always making a fool of myself. I was always getting in so much trouble. And so my point in saying all those things is that I got sent to AA um, super young. And I think way before I was, way before I was ready to admit that I had a problem and there just wasn't a lot that could be done when everyone else was trying to convince me that I had this problem because my mind was telling me that you know, this isn't a problem for any one of a hundred reasons. And so I was a big, 
Um, I, I got into a lot of trouble really young. I was, you know, always kind of the problem child. And again, I think that that sent me into treatment um, super early. So the first time that I started going into treatment, I was like 18 years old, um, super resistant to super resistant to hearing anything that they had to say. And as a result of that, I quite literally just spun the doors of AA and treatment centers for a couple of years. Like I was just in and out and in and out. Um, and I got frustrated because over that period of time, I learned a lot about the big book and I did, and I related to it. Um, I could see myself in step one when women would sit down and explain it to me, like I could see it, but I just wasn't quite ready to get totally honest with myself that, um, that that is really the truth about myself. And so, you know, I went to, I finally went to treatment when I was like 20 years old and, or maybe I was 21, somewhere around there. Um, and I had just so many things stacked against me that, um, that just felt overwhelming. Like I had just a massive amount of like legal issues. My family was just not talking to me at the time. And I really had no other option, but to really dig into this program for the very first time. And so that was really kind of the first time that I remember ever like taking my recovery or, or AA seriously and actually trying to be like a member of the fellowship and actually calling my sponsor. Like I used to be one of those people that I would say so-and-so was sponsoring me, but that woman probably had no idea she was sponsoring me because I never called. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you asked her, she'd probably say, I have no idea who that girl was. And this was the first time that I really, um, I did the work. Like I really did the work and it was, it was because I was totally out of options and I was totally out of ideas on how to run my life better. Um, I was so, I was like sufficiently scared by the havoc that my drinking had caused in my life. And I stayed sober for, you know, a good two and a half or so years. But um, when, when Bill talks about like fear sobering him for a bit, I, I relate to that so much. Or I think that's so important because um, while I did have this like great step one experience and it was definitely sufficient for me to see the truth about myself, like I did not continue to do the work the way that the book tells us we're supposed to. And as a result of that, I found myself with, you know, multiple years sober drinking again. And it was so shocking. Um, and I don't know why it was so shocking because again, I, I've just told y'all, like I knew this book so well. I knew what was written on those pages. And it, it, it says that so clearly, if we don't do the work, we're going to drink again. But for some reason, because this problem is in my mind, um, I had just convinced myself that like, I have outgrown that I have, surely I won't, I wouldn't make such a bad decision, not really realizing that it wasn't going to be my decision at all. You know, if I truly believe I'm powerless over alcohol and I don't have that, that connection with a higher power, um, it, it could be any day, you know, it's, it's not it's not this decision um, that I make. And, and so it was just so interesting that paradox of having all this knowledge about the program and being able to like explain that to other people, but I couldn't see my own sickness. And so, I mean, a, a large, large part of my story is um, 
now like getting sober again after relapsing and being so frustrated um, with AA and with myself and all the, I don't know if anybody here has experienced that or relapsed before or just felt like I cannot do this another time. I, I just did all of that. <laughs> like I just did it. I tried it. I'm not doing it again. But that is exactly, that is exactly how I felt. Um, I, I, I felt so defeated. And um, I, I also struggled with this fear that now that I've already read the book and I already know everything that's written in there, how am I going to have this cool experience with a higher power? Like I already, you know, there's no more surprises left for me, right? Like I felt like there's no more... And that you can see right there, like just how sick I really was that I thought that there was nothing left for me to learn. Cause the truth is like today I'm, I'm never going to be done learning and growing closer to God. If I was, then I might as well be God. You know, if I, if I think I understand him so well. And, and that's, that was really um, the problem there was that my dependence wasn't on a higher power. It was on myself because I thought I knew everything. But I can just remember the struggle of going, I went back into treatment and I, I think I told this story in my meeting a few days ago. So I apologize if some of y'all have heard it, but it was just such a funny experience for me because I still, even after realizing, like I didn't realize how big my ego was and how big my pride was and how much of an issue that was until I, I checked into treatment and I was like, I am going to be just the most open-minded girl in the whole world. I'm going to do everything right. This is going to be great. And then I think I sat down with a lady and I think she was, she was like my counselor or something, but she just asked me at what point during the day, do you want to get together and meet so we can talk, you know, look at this schedule. And I looked at her and without thinking about it, just said, well, you know what, probably during all these big book meetings, because I already know everything and I don't want to have to go to those because I'm going to be <laughs> so bored, you know, and I didn't realize, and it was like, as soon as I said it, I just wanted to like grab the words out of the air and like shove them back in. Cause I knew it was the wrong attitude to have. And it was right then and there that I realized, um, I was not going to be able to muster up humility. I was not going to be able to like muster it up. I was going to have to ask God for those things. I was going to have to ask God to help me with those things. And I can remember, um, that is where like saying the set aside prayer became so important to me. Um, that was like the first suggestion that someone had given to me. They were just like, how about you try to look at this program with fresh eyes, this book with fresh eyes, and just keep saying the set aside prayer or your own version of any prayer, just asking God to help you like get to know him in a new and different way. And I really thought it wasn't going to work. I'm like much more of an action person. Like I'd rather write an inventory or I'd rather go run out and make an amends than pray. I, I like, I, I just, I, I like to, um, I like to do something that someone can see me doing, you know? Um, and that is, that's so much of what my, what made my program so hollow the last time that I was sober. And so I started saying the set aside prayer just all the time, asking God to just help me um, to have a brand new experience with him. Cause I knew my life depended on it. I didn't know much. Like I found myself in this situation where my life was a mess I'm in, you know, I'm in a rehab again on Christmas day. I, my family won't even answer the phone. Everything is a disaster. And 
I had nothing that I wanted or nothing that I thought would make me happy, but I did know in my heart of hearts that I was an alcoholic and that this was the solution. And that was, that was all I needed at the time. And there was some relief in that. Like I can, I can really, really remember there being some serious relief in that, that, you know, there's, I have somewhere to go up from here. Like there's some work to be done and I'm ready to do it. And after say, I mean, going back through this book again, I had just the coolest experience with not feeling like I knew everything. I felt like I'd, I'd really never seen it before. I, I wrote, you know, I was able to read it in a different, in a different way, like relating it to just my most recent experience and um, my life right at that time and hear these words in a different way. And so that's kind of the real hope that I hope to give some of y'all in this. If y'all have relapsed or feel like you've been in AA forever and it's just doesn't work. And like, I'm not going to, I, I had written so many four steps, like those things just felt so daunting to me, like coming back in the rooms. And, um, then as soon as I got out of, um, treatment a couple of months later, uh, COVID-19 happened. And that was such a kind of interesting experience for me. Cause again, um, feeling like I knew everything about AA and I know exactly how to do it. Um, COVID-19 happened and all of a sudden I had to not only, you know, was I looking at like getting sober again and being a newcomer, but doing AA in a way that I had never done before, you know, virtual meetings and I was in sober living and like quarantined and, you know, not even being able to go to work. And what is like, what does this look like? Like, that's not what I've done in the past. Um, And, and my sponsor used to always tell me Paige, this has been so good for you because it, it slowed you down Um, and not slowed me down in going through the work, but it slowed me down in the sense of, I wasn't able to do my usual thing where I get out of treatment and I, you know, make everything look good again. You know, I get a job, I I get all these things and, and make everything look good so that people will think I'm okay. You know, um, she was like, you're, you know, you're not able to do that. And, um, you're not even able to feel bad about your, about it or feel bad for yourself for it because everyone is dealing with this. It's not just like, it's not just you, you know, everybody can't go to work right now. And so it was such a cool experience. And in some ways I I loved getting sober. Um, like I loved that. I love that that happened for me because it, it caused me to look so much more deeper into this relationship with God more than, um, just, you know, hitting a ton of meetings and, and stuff like that. Like it caused me to really do AA in a different way and lean on God harder than I ever had. And it's just been the coolest little experience. Um, I don't want to, Steph, was that kind of, was that enough background? Yeah, for sure. Was that too much? (laughs) That's good. All right. I'm going to, does anybody have a question? All right. I'll ask a question. So I think something that's so important that you and I talked about was like the difference between dependence and reliance upon God um, and then doing action because I'm relying on myself to keep me sober, which action is super, super important, but it's all about building that relationship with God, that dependence upon God, not I'm doing this so I can keep myself sober kind of attitude. Can you, can you speak to that? Like you said that you were on 
you were relying on yourself and not on God. How would you, um, did you see hindsight? When, when did you start to see that happen? And, and what would that, what would that look like? Because I'm sure in the moment you didn't realize that that's what you were doing. Can you just, can you just speak to the dependence upon God piece? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what is so interesting about, and what was so confusing for me when I relapsed was that, um, I thought I had done AA, like I thought I had done the big book, like done the big book, done the steps as outlined in the big book. Um, because I was just so delusional. I couldn't see that I was doing the parts of AA that other people could see. Like I carried the message once a week. I had, you know, five sponsees. I, I made all these amends. I, um, I was a home group member, like all those things that I wrote inventories. Um, but when I really, um, when my sponsor down here in Austin made me start sending her my nightlies again, I opened up like my old like nightly journal. And like, I realized I hadn't written a nightly in like two years. Like that's insane. <laughs> like that's a long time, but who was going to know, you know, and I wasn't ever doing morning meditation and not to say that like those things are more important than the other, but that kind of gives a look at how much I was doing when no one was watching, you know, kind of absolutely nothing. Right. Um, when like behind closed doors, um, what did my program look like? Was I practicing these principles in all my affairs? Absolutely not. But I had almost like this AA stage character that I wanted to fuel so bad. And I don't know if anyone can relate to that. But the same way that the big book talks about us having like these stage characters, I swear I had a little AA stage character where I, I was so miserable in AA, but I wanted, I, I didn't want anyone to know because I didn't feel like I was allowed to be feeling that way because I have too much time sober. I don't know if, I feel like that's something I hear so often that people don't want to um, get honest with their sponsor, or get honest with anyone because they feel like they have too long sober. They shouldn't still be feeling like this. Like they should be more, I should be more recovered um, by now. And that was definitely something that, I, I mean, I wasn't honest with anybody in my life about where I was truly at. And that went on for too long and left untreated. It, it resulted in me having, you know, going back out and drinking again. And so I, I don't know if I can pinpoint like an exact point in time where, like, I know you asked, do I, in hindsight, do I know exactly when that started to happen? I don't know if I do, because honestly, nothing, I didn't have any sort of event happen in my life. Again, nothing, there's nothing that makes me drink these days. It, it was a slow build of, you know, not doing the work. And, and little by little, I was doing less and less, um, except for what you could see, because I want you to think I'm good at AA. And there was no God in that. It was all about me and how I look. And I, I feel like I feel yucky even, even explaining it because it sounds, it's so egotistical and I can see my pride like glaring now, but I couldn't see it then. Like I couldn't see that none of it um, was for God. None of my, I wasn't like really using my experience to help his kids. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you're so honest. And I know that you said it feels yucky, but I think it's really, your experience is really helpful. So thank you so much for that. Okay. So I know another thing that we, uh, that we talk about, and I also, I tell the girls the next step too, is, um, what are you doing when nobody's watching? It's such important to, um, to look at, 
is what am I doing when nobody's watching it? And you spoke to that. And one of the things that, you know, you and I talked about is, um, am I having integrity in my, in my relationships? And you mentioned practicing that you weren't practicing principles in your affairs. So can you, can you talk on principles in your, in your affairs and integrity in your relationships? Yeah. Um, I know that that was a conversation we had last week that I, that I really enjoyed. Um, and what it really makes me think of is like having, practicing these principles in all my affairs and having integrity in my relationships. I had a friend, a really close friend of mine. When I say relationships, I don't just mean romantic relationships. I mean, I mean, my family relationships, friends. I had a really close friend when I was about a month sober, I came back to Dallas to clean out my room where I was living. And, um, and she sat me down and said, um, you know, I don't want this to hurt your feelings, but I do feel like I need to say this to you because I noticed it in you sooner and I didn't hold you accountable sooner. And I wish that I had. And so I have to say this right now, you are such a liar. (laughs) And she wasn't talking about, um, she wasn't talking about the lies I I did drinking. She was like in, in sobriety, you are such a liar. You, you are the biggest liar. Um, and she was like, I'm not trying to beat a dog while it's down. I know you just got out of rehab like yesterday, but I just have to tell you that because moving forward, you have got to find a way to like be your authentic self, be honest with the people around you. And, um, she was like, you just used to lie about the dumbest things. And also she was like, and and you've just got to get comfortable with yourself and, um, she said, what else did she, she said something like, you know, you're exactly the person that God made you to be. And that's really special. And, and you need to, you need to figure out who you are and like, go be it basically. Um, Cause I just, again, y'all, I had all these stage characters and I, I wasn't, I did tell the dumbest white lies. Um, but I also was just so dishonest, like in my actions and um, not being authentic with people. Like, again, if I had really been willing to get gut level honest with somebody like right when I started recognizing that I was feeling, um, that I was, wasn't feeling like, wasn't feeling spiritually fit. We probably could have like done some, my sponsor probably could have given me some direction and, and and it didn't, it wouldn't have had to go that way. But instead my pride, I could not get honest with anyone in my life about how I was feeling. I was so afraid of how it would make me look and and what would happen and what people would think. And that has been a driving force of my life for as long as I can remember. And um, her saying that to me shaped so much of how I started my recovery down here in, um, in Austin and how I started my relationship with my sponsor and with the women that are close to me, just being honest and, um, just being myself and not feeling like there's any show to put on or anybody to impress. That was one of the most beautiful things about relapsing again and everything just falling apart. I was kind of relieved because I was like, oh God, like the, like the act is over. Like I can just get super honest with myself and with God and, you know, we can go somewhere from here. Like I said, like I said earlier, did that kind of answer? Yeah. Stuff? Okay. Yeah, I love that story. Thank you for telling that. <laughs> it's so she embarrassing. Sounds, she sounds like a great friend, though, because she wants you to live. 
So we talked about this too, but I think it's also really important because something that my sponsor um, has recently like instilled in me for like the women that I help and the women that I sponsor is like in the big book, it talks about having a new relationship with our creator, you know, um, because the relationship that we have whenever we get here ain't working. So we need a new relationship with our creator. Um, And I know you were saying how, you know, you kind of touched on like having this set aside prayer and you kind of touched on how you didn't think that this was going to work for you. And, um, but would you say that you have a a new relationship with, with, uh, God today and and how is that like? No, absolutely. Um, I, it, it definitely feels, feels very different than the relationship that I had, um, or that I thought that I had previously. Um, and, I do remember coming in, um, with so many, I like, I didn't want to have resentments against AA or the program. Um, but I, I couldn't help feeling like, didn't I, you know, didn't I do it? Like, didn't I do everything? Um, and it wasn't really until I started talking to, um, my sponsor and, and talking about what, what my program used to look like and what my relationship with God used to look like. It, it wasn't until we really started to unpack that, that I realized that I, I, I missed the whole point of AA. <laughs> um, I missed like the whole point, the whole point of this program and these 12 steps is to get us connected to a power because at the end of the day, like I, I don't have the power to just quit drinking. I'm never going to be um, responsible or like the, all these things that I thought I needed to be, to be able to drink normally. Like that's not, that's not it for the alcoholic. Like I'm powerless. So I need a power source. And so it, it was just a, it was a interesting experience realizing just how little of this program I'd actually really done and just how little of the surface I scratched with, with God. Um, and that became an exciting thing for me. That became something that I got really excited about instead of, um, you know, looking back in morbid reflection and, Oh, I wish things were different. Instead, um, my sponsor just kept saying, you know, this is something to look forward to. Like you're about to have a relationship with your higher power that you never thought you could, you know, cause I used to hear people in AA talk about, um, I mean, just being sober or, um, having this, having this relationship with God. And I, and I didn't really relate to, to it. And I kind of wondered like what I was, what I was doing wrong. Um, but again, never had those conversations with anyone so they could tell me what I was doing wrong. And so it, it wasn't as complicated as I wanted to make it per usual. I mean, I, I really just, I went back through this work with fresh eyes and um, with the clarity that getting this relationship with a power greater than myself was going to be like my only hope. It was a life or death situation for me. Um, and I didn't even, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't even fully believe it was gonna work. And that if anyone's feeling like that right now, um, the good news is it, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't have to, my sponsor used to tell me all the time in those first couple of months that, you know, the action doesn't care why we take it. And like, more importantly, God doesn't care why I'm, why I'm taking the action. So if I'm going to get up every morning and start my day with morning meditation and feel like there's no one on the other end, like that's okay. You know, I, I don't, um, 
it wasn't an overnight thing where all of a sudden I felt God in the, in this new and cool way. It was more this process of learning how to just trust God that I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And that everything, regardless of me not having like the things that I wanted, because again, one thing me and Stephanie talked about a ton, I was always such a um, kind of ex- external person. Like I wanted everything in my life to be going well. And I, I used to place my reliance on those things, like relationships or how other people treated me or, you know, just material things, if that makes sense. Like that was, that was my motivator. That was my measure of success. And so I found myself at two and a half years sober with a lot of the things I thought I wanted and more miserable than I ever had been. And that was a soul crushing experience. Cause I was like, I have everything I want and I'm still not happy. What's it going to take? You know, I was like, I must be a crazy person. Um, or I must not have the capacity for that emotion. Like I don't, I must not be able to have happiness um, because I I was, I wasn't seeking it in the right places. And again, I wasn't, um, and that is where starting, starting this process over, I even tried to start doing that at the beginning again, being like, well, I'll just be happy when I get out of this, you know, sober living house, or I'll be happy when my family will answer my phone calls again, or I'll be happy when you know, when this or that happens, uh, I'll be happy when I have a year sober, <laughs> like just so that I, I don't, I don't feel embarrassed that I'm a newcomer, you know, my pride and ego is just the worst y'all. I just, but then my sponsor and it was just like, you don't, you don't have to wait for all those things. You can be happy right now. Like you can be okay right now. That's the really exciting thing is that you don't need to wait for, you don't have to be this like victim of circumstance and, and wait for, all of these external things, like you can seek that inward and and upward with a higher power and you can be okay quite literally right now with absolutely nothing that you want. And like how solid of a foundation is that for the rest of my life? Because I'm sure um, if I expect to be sober, like long-term for the rest of my life, I can't think that nothing else in my life is ever going to be hard or go wrong, or I'm never going to walk through um, difficult times. And if my, if my recovery is rooted in, in these external things that, that could all change on a dime, you know, that's not a, that's, that's not a sustainable power source, you know, the way that, the way that God is. And so did, did that kind of answer your question a little bit? Yeah. Thank you. Okay. The reason why I even first, I think knew who you were you know, before I started working at Maggie's and all that stuff was um, because I, we both have a mutual relationship in common and she's very special to me and you sponsored her and, and you still sponsor her. And I I know that, um, that she always spoke very highly of you. And I know that sponsorship is something that is still very important to you. So can you um, talk on the subject of, of sponsorship? Yeah. So sponsorship It is one of the biggest, it's like the biggest blessing of this program. And I have always loved getting to see, I have always loved getting to see um, what God's trying to tell me about myself 
through the women that I'm working with. Um, it keeps, I mean, sponsorship, it's, it's so great for so many reasons. It, it keeps me on my toes a lot though, because I find that God oftentimes puts these women in my life that struggle with like the same exact things as me. And so when I go to them with these suggestions um, of, you know, where to, where to find this in the book and, 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 and the action they need to be taking, oftentimes it's really this great tool for me because I realize I should be taking my own advice. And um, part of the thing that I also love about sponsorship is that I feel like it takes away, um, I had a lot of shame around being an alcoholic. I was very embarrassed about it. It, it wasn't like super acceptable where I was from. Um, no one in my family really could directly relate to it. Um, no one, it runs in our family, but no one in my immediate family struggled with it. Um, I just felt so shameful around my alcoholism for the longest time. And, and I honestly also felt like, you know, oh, here, you know, here comes Paige, the family's best kept secret. Cause I, you know, was kind of shipped away to, to get sober and, and, didn't see him for a while. And so I had so much shame, um, around being an alcoholic. And it wasn't until I got to start working with other women and using those experiences that I started to, to realize why this was going to be such an asset for me, you know, like why this was going to be such a cool, purposeful thing in my life. Like these awful things that have happened or these extremely difficult times that have happened, I get to use those to help other women. And sometimes I don't immediately get to see it. Sometimes it'll be like, I'll have a woman come into my life that I'm working with that's struggling with the same thing at the same time. And then other times it'll be, you know, I don't get to see God's reason for that circumstance until you know, a few years down the road, but most of the things that I just resented about my alcoholism, I have been listening to a girl's fifth step and she's spouted off like the same, the same thing. And that's just the coolest experience when you get to look somebody in the eye and tell them that they're not the only one that went through that. And that it's absolutely, um, not, they don't have to drink forever because of it, you know, cause I can remember when I had one thing in my life that I thought I just had to, um, I was never going to be able to get sober because of this and it, and, and no one can relate. Um, <laughs> I I'm the most special. This hasn't happened to anybody else. And this woman came and visited me in a detox and said, um, you know, I just, I know that we don't know each other, but I, I do, we do have a mutual friend and she told me about, you know, something that, that you've been struggling with. And, and I just wanted to share my experience because I have the same experience and I also have three years sober. So you really can't keep using that excuse. And I was like so mad because she had just ruined my, my, my good, like excuse I was using for my family and everybody. I was so mad at this lady. And she was like, yeah, I have three years sober and I went through the same thing. So those two don't add up the way you're trying to make them add up. There is no reason why you can't um, do this program. <laughs> and um, I love, I love sponsorship for that reason. Um, I also love it because I truthfully, um, I've, I always, I get real nervous talking in front of people. I struggle to share like my story in front of people. Cause I, 
Like, I feel like my nerves get the best of me. So that's never been the most, like, um, I always feel so much better after I do it, but I get so nervous, like before I have to speak in front of a group of people that I really love step 12 for when I get to work directly with another woman, because it's just the coolest, most personal thing. And so I don't know if anybody else gets just real nervous about speaking in front of people and thinks that they're not going to be a good sponsor because they can't say all these great things from a podium. But if you are feeling that way, like my experience is, you know, that it's, it's a, it's a totally different ball game when it's just me and another alcoholic woman, um, talking about our experience. Thank you. Anybody? Okay. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the quality of your sobriety because I know, um, that you don't have the time that you had when, when you relapse, but I'm assuming that the quality is much better. Um, I had something. Yeah, go ahead, Courtney. Well, um, didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, some, I had a question that's actually piggybacking off what you're going to say, like the quality of that. And then, um, also too, uh, like as far as like volunteer work. Um, so yeah, basically what you were saying, Stephanie, like, how do you keep it, um, how do you, Paige, how do you um, keep your sobriety the way it is consistently? And especially with COVID going on. That's all. Thanks, Courtney. Yeah. Um, so getting sober during COVID again has been, um, it's been such an interesting experience. It's challenged me in totally different ways. Um, I was feeling at first so good about getting sober again because I was like, oh, at least I've done this before. And then COVID hit. And I was like, I've never done this before. Um, never this way. And, um, you know, a lot of it, I had to get a little bit more creative, um, with my recovery. Like I had to, um, finding sponsees wasn't as easy as it normally is when I'm able to go into these places and carry the message. I had to do things like, um, you know, post my number in in groups, um, but never nothing ever really came of that. I had to, I, I reached out. I can remember like reaching out to sober livings, like people that ran those, and just letting them know I'm available for sponsorship. Reaching out to the um, treatment center that I went to and saying, "Hey, I'm available," you know, to for sponsorship to help in any way that I can. And um, that way I was able to get connected with a lot of, with a lot of women, um, because I wasn't, again, I wasn't able to go into the, typically I, the last time I was sober, I was at, you know, a place every week carrying the message. And, um, that wasn't back in March, like when this all first happened, I mean, I wasn't even able to go to the restaurant that I worked at. Like there were, there were no H and I's, um, there were some, and so I, I found other like zoom commitments too, like, ways that I could chair a meeting on zoom. Um, and also found like a smaller, um, group of women that were meeting. Um, cause again, I had moved to a new city and, um, didn't have a ton of time to establish a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous before everything closed down. And, um, so I found this zoom meeting that was like a group of women meeting. I think it was only like 12, people. And I, 
I started going to that every week. And the reason why it was because it was so good for me because it was so small. I knew they were going to have to call on me. So I had to pay attention because I don't know if any of y'all have struggled with logging onto these zoom meetings and you know, I'm looking at my phone. I'll just be honest. I'm looking at my phone. I'm looking at all these other things. It's a different, and I would never do that in an AA meeting because my sponsor would just kick me if I whipped my phone out in an AA meeting. But when I'm behind my computer screen, it's so different. Um, so I found a smaller group that I could be super accountable to, and that worked for me. And that doesn't have to be um, what you guys do, but I, I just had to get a little bit creative with COVID. I had to um, go a lot more out of my comfort zone with, um, right. Cause I didn't really like want to reach out to these people and, and say I'm available for sponsorship. Um, Cause again, like my pride and ego, I hate doing things like that. Um, but I just had to, and I, and I knew I had to. Um, and as far as like the quality of my sobriety um, and how, how I keep that, um, it is, I have a much different, um, relationship with like the women in my life that I allow to like hold me accountable. And cause oftentimes like I cannot see my own crazy. And so it is imperative that I'm honest with the people in my life so that they can tell me what I'm even praying for. Like what defects am I even praying for God to remove? Cause I can't just wake up every day and say, God help me. Like I've got to, I've got to have somebody telling me the truth about myself so I can take that to God and, you know, ask him to remove that. And, um, does that kind of answer your question a little bit? I know that getting sober during COVID it's been so different, but in some ways it's, it's been kind of cool. It's, definitely, um, challenged me to lean on a higher power harder than I ever had before. And that is the one beautiful thing about it. So what would you tell the woman who has come back for the unseen time having to do AA again, thinking this isn't going to work? I've already done this. What would you tell her? I'm really that I mean, there, there's nothing to be, I think so often people are embarrassed. They feel embarrassed coming back. Cause I certainly felt like here comes Paige again, getting, you know, her 9,000th desire trip. And there is nothing to be embarrassed. I mean, there, there's just nothing to be embarrassed about, especially not in um, the rooms of AA. I can remember having people I had, you know, I always say so often like, oh, my family wouldn't even talk to me while I was, while I was in treatment, but I had tons of people from my fellowship in Dallas send me letters and things. And I'll be really honest with you guys. Like at first I was so embarrassed and I was still so prideful. Like I just, I didn't even, like, I didn't even want to reach out to anybody because I was just like, I just wanted to hide from the world. And then it got to this point where I was like, you know, my pride and ego are going to keep me out there forever, you know, um, out there drinking like forever. Um, and there's just, um, like people, people in the, in the rooms of AA are not the people that I need to be embarrassed about coming back to and being honest and, and trying again. And they're just, we, there is no, um, like this can't work for me. It's been too many times. I remember this sounds kind of weird, but I had this really kind of delusional fear that God had just done so much work in rebuilding my life and helping me get that two and a half years sober. 
I was like, he's never, he's not going to do that for me again. Like he's, you know, just this delusional fear that like God was going to be like, nope, that was your chance and you messed it up. You'd never get another one. Um, and that was how I felt. And that has just not been my experience. You guys, as soon as I was willing to, you know, reach out and do this work, God was right there. and met me halfway. Um, my experience is not that I ran out of chances. Like I, you know, I'm so grateful that I made it back in the rooms because not everybody does. So, you know, and that is one thing to immediately be grateful for. If you relapsed, um, don't feel like God didn't, didn't do anything for you. Cause I feel like I felt like God already has showed up in a very big way because I'm still alive. And with that being said, like, as soon as I was ready to, um, get started in this work, like God was right there. And sometimes he didn't rebuild my life the way that I wanted him to, you know, I was a waitress at this restaurant forever and I just hated it. And I would love to complain about that and say that God wasn't showing up, but I knew that God was showing up because, um, I had so much internal peace and I had so many like COVID-19 was the excuse I have always wanted to drink again. I was like, this is the, like, when, where was this in, in 2016, when I was trying to explain to my parents, 2014, when I was trying to explain to my parents why I relapsed for the 100th time, I was like, this is the excuse, like, no one, who could blame me? But my mind was so certain um, that I, I can remember calling my sponsor and being like, this is so weird because I have every reason um, to drink right now. And I don't think anyone would really blame me, but I don't want to at all. And that was crazy. You know, that was, and so I knew God was showing up because he had removed that, he had removed that obsession. And it was when I started recognizing God showing up in my life that way, as opposed to thinking God showing up in my life, if I have the things, the material things I want, that's when I feel like I really started to understand, um, my, my God a little bit better. Awesome. Does anybody have a question before I ask the wrap up question? I was going to say one thing about the COVID. It was so crazy because when COVID hit, of course, it was like, I mean, every, I mean, it was a horrible thing. But in my mind, because I was drinking at the time, I was like, this is great. No one's going to come close to me. I have to wear a mask. So when I go to work, no one's going to come close to me. No one's going to smell me. And I'm just thinking about it now because I'm like, that's so messed up thinking. But it was perfect for me because I could isolate myself and no one would know. So I just wanted to, you know, point that out there because we are so delusional, but I am really grateful for this program and everything that I get out of it. Um, that's all I had to say. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Courtney. Thank you. Anybody else? Andy? Hey, I'd like to say something. I really, really resonate with what you were saying that you were doing a lot of the AA for show. I've never heard anyone say that out loud like that and that. I mean, seriously, your honesty, and it was just really refreshing to hear that. I've done the same thing, and um, thank you. Just thanks for being honest about that. It was really cool. Awesome. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to get honest about because, again, it's like I, I feel so embarrassed saying it, but it's it's my truth, and I think so many more people have done that and, and aren't willing to talk about it. But it's so helpful. I really think so. And I just think that this was such a great example of like God using your relapse and, you know, your pride and your ego and all that stuff for, um, all that stuff that you didn't want to get honest about or 
that you're afraid to get honest about like God is now using that for his glory later. And like, I think this has just been such a demonstration of, of God's power. And so I just want to thank you for, for everything. Cause I think all of this stuff that we've talked about is, is super important. So, and my question would be, my wrap up question would be, if you could leave us with one takeaway, if you don't hear anything I say, hear this, whether it be for the woman who's getting sober, staying sober, ladies and next up, what would that, what would that uh, takeaway be? Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, but I think one thing that I think has been one of like the most important things that anybody ever told me, um, and I don't think I took it truly to heart until this last time that I got sober. Um, but one, my, one of my sponsors told me one time that to really build my recovery on the foundation of a, a higher power, because everything else in my life is subject to change. You know, everything else is subject to change. I cannot rely on these, on these people or jobs or, um, family or, cause really, and I think we've seen that more in 2020 than we have ever before that things can change overnight and your world looks totally different. And if, if your if your reliance isn't in the right place, if it isn't in something that's constant, cause God is the only thing that'll ever be constant in my life, then, you know, it's, it's not a sturdy foundation. And so, um, I think that's kind of like my biggest takeaway, um, or what I hope that everyone hears. And I am so happy to come on here. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was so fun. Well, thank you very much, Paige. The rest of y'all have a wonderful, wonderful day. See you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Everybody have a great day. Good day. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenhouse.org.